Hey there, Crosswinds family and friends. Welcome to the Crosswinds Unleashed podcast. My name is Craig Cooper. I'm the lead pastor here at Crosswinds, also the host of the Unleashed podcast. I want to give a special shout out to Elijah Merrill, our producer. Each week, we are dedicated to bringing the best stories and biblical life principles from authentic believers. Our podcast breaks down the Christian life through interviews and practical instruction, and we're hoping in a fun and accessible way. You will be the judge of that part. Um, Last episode, we had the privilege of speaking to a friend of mine, a colleague, a fellow pastor on staff here at Crosswinds, Brian Soler. He shared uh, about his spiritual journey coming to Christ. If you missed that episode, I would go back and definitely listen to it. But we're going to continue our conversation with Brian in this episode. Brian, it is great to be back with you. It's good to see you again. (laughs) Good to be seen. Good to be seen. (laughs) You know, uh, you were speaking last time, I believe, where we left off in in, uh, last episode was this call into your life. Yeah. Uh, Here you are. You're an engineer student. Um, By the way, that does mean he is very smart. Uh, He's not going to brag about it, but he is. He's going into his engineering. He's getting this uh, offer, right, to go to his bigger engineering school. Correct. Family is so excited, right? Yeah. I mean, I can only imagine. Um, you've arrived. And then you share the news. Uh, well, I have arrived, but it's a different decision. Yeah. Go into that a little more. Uh, this to, you In your last episode, you used the word quite a bit, follow. That as a follower of Christ, and it sort of should make sense, right? As a follower mm-hmm. of Christ, we are to follow Christ. But here you are, you, you, my guess is, um, you know, you, you've, what, two years of engineering school already, getting ready for this? Yeah. Um, it's been a goal of yours. You, you see this amazing opportunity, but you know God is calling you to something else. Venture into that with us a little bit. Yeah, so I had, like I, I said on last week's episode, that this kind of call into ministry happened while I was on a missions trip. Uh, it was very clear that, God was asking me to go into student ministry. And I should have prefaced this. Uh, my dad is an engineer. And so I kind of idolized his profession growing up. And I loved working on things and building things and inventing things and creating. But I remember specifically when I was probably in uh, high school, my mom said something like, why don't you want to do something like John, your youth pastor? Because your dad has to travel a lot. And I remember th- telling her I couldn't fathom the idea of public speaking. You know, I don't even like my own peers. I don't like teenagers. You know, I would never do something like that. And so here I have dangerous this, words, by the way, that is true. So here I have this call in my life and uh, my dad, who's just an amazing man, uh, you know, very rationally thinking is like, hey, you know, you're getting a, a really great scholarship offer. You got, th- you know, two years left, get your bachelor's in mechanical engineering and then go on to do this thing. And in my head, I was trying to rationalize that as, oh, maybe God, uh, maybe I could do engineering, but maybe I can go build wells in Africa or something. You know, I was trying to squeeze like my will into God's will a little bit there, you know, but I just, I really felt like God wanted me and I, it's hard to describe, uh, but he, he needed me or he didn't need me, but he wanted me in youth ministry and he wanted me in it sooner than later. And so it was, yeah, I, like I said, there was no excitement when I got that letter from that larger engineering school. Um, everyone else was excited. Um, and I, I knew there was a possibility I'd get into it. And so it was kind of competitive and I did, but yeah, just, that was it. I put it back in the envelope and um, called the college and declined. And then I 
uh, immediately enrolled in, I, I think I shared Indiana Wesleyan University, uh, transferred in as a junior. So I was a little bit behind the eight ball. I missed some <laughs> earlier education classes there uh, for pastoral ministry, but <clears throat> um, got my biblical studies degree. I, I love it. It's a bachelor's of science because I carried so much science credits into that program. <laughs> it was kind of fun. And uh, so just long story short, just God affirmed the calling by uh, allowing me to kind of have an internship role here at the church that I grew up in that I loved that had meant so much to me. And while I was completing kind of that internship time period, completing my, you know, finishing up my degree, um, the youth pastor position opened up and I'd already been kind of serving and interning in that. And it was kind of just this natural transition. And, you know, two and a half years after I said no to engineering uh, and yes to leading teenagers for God, uh, here I am being the youth pastor at the church I grew up in, which was like, the dream. So that was for me, that was like, yeah, that was a legitimate calling from God. And he aligned all of this to happen. And so just some really fruitful years of ministry resulted from that, really challenging ones. And um, early on, I mentioned that yeah, I didn't, I didn't like public speaking and um, was super nervous about it. And, but there's something that somebody said, and it's, you know, God equips the call, he doesn't call the equip. And so I really do, I, I believe that God equipped me to speak publicly. And I couldn't carry rhythm, but we didn't have a worship team going at the time, and I bought a guitar, and I was like, God, if you want this to happen, like if you want musical worship to be a part of the youth ministry, you're going to have to teach me rhythm. <laughs> and, and by God's grace, he gave me four chords and rhythm, and uh, <laughs> I were able to kind of start a worship team, which is now fully run by students, you know, multiple teams. It's just awesome how God's blessed that ministry. So, yeah, it's been a really cool journey. And uh, like I said, you know, if I didn't say yes to that, I wouldn't be here today. I don't think I would be married to Becca. I wouldn't have my son, Charlie. And so just so many things in my life resulted from saying yes, and they are all good things. Um, I'm sure I missed out on some things I would have really enjoyed, but um, the overall majority has been really, really good. That uh, engineering conference in Vegas. But, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, or money to support uh, a yeah, right. season pass ticket to a Buffalo Bills. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's true. Oh, goodness. So you're, so you're a student pastor at, at the church that you came to Christ in. Yeah. And how long were you student pastor? I was the student pastor here for just over 10 years. Just over 10 years, which is a long tenure for it's a student a long pastor. Time, yeah. And um, you, all of a sudden, uh, an opportunity opens up to, to become family life pastor at, at Crosswinds, mm-hmm. the same church. Um, talk to me a little bit about your thought process on accepting that position, moving from um, student pastor into family life pastor. Yeah, so part of the struggle of that was that original calling was, I believed 100% it was going to be, you know, working with students. And actually, I remember talking with you, Craig, in your office about just that, like, I never want to not be a student pastor. And uh, I think you were the one that had mentioned, you know, while you're still, while you're now the lead pastor of Crosswinds, like you are still a student pastor at heart. And, and your goal, I know just from knowing you personally is, you know, you desire to be able to communicate the word of God to a high school student every single Sunday morning that you preach. And so in a lot of ways, like you have never stopped being a student pastor. And so I looked at that. And so I was able to kind of toy with the idea of moving into that family ministry position and not feeling guilty about leaving the student pastor position, which I felt my original calling was for because I was still going to have leadership over students. And so, um, yeah, just Becca and I really talked through it a lot. Uh, I love student ministry. I'm still there every single Wednesday night. I don't ever not want to be. I just love our student base so much. And I, I just love that age group. They're so impressionable. They're passionate. I haven't been bogged down yet by toils of this world. And 
they have opinions, but um, they're very easily swayed, which is good and bad in some ways. Um, but these are like the most impressionable years for them. So I just, I love being a chance to influence them. But I really was, now here I am, <clears throat> I've got a, a three-year-old, I'm, you know, I'm a parent, I've an established marriage, and back then I've been kind of longing to want to begin to influence more families like that. And so this opportunity opened up where, you know, kind of really attractive to get a chance to pour more into parents and to young kids as well as students uh, and to work with a bigger team. And so I was really excited and humbled that that was kind of the next step for me here at Crossman's. And it's been a really great transition. I love the team I work with. Um, Our students are super well taken care of and all that. So, And I should say you took that position, what, Two and a half, three months? Uh, six weeks. Six weeks. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Six weeks before the COVID shutdown in Correct. March, last yeah. March, uh, a week, a year ago, March. And so uh, what, what, a, what, a, uh, what a challenge. Yeah, that was, <laughs> I had, you know, just all these, yeah, these thoughts and ideas of how this transition was going to look. And then, yeah, that happened. And it was, it was great. And, and as you know, and anyone who's listening who is in church ministry, we're not beyond the COVID pandemic by any means, as far as what ministry looks like. And so it's still different than what I thought it was going to be. It's still good in a lot of ways. And Jesus is still doing incredible things. Um, But the things I'm doing right now, I wasn't necessarily the things I thought I was going to be doing, but I'm loving it. So I'm really enjoying being in family ministry, the family life pastor here. And it's been really great to be able to connect and get a chance to learn more about our kids ministry and parents and doing more uh, family uh, kind of experiences that are really meaningful. So so all the way back in our very first episode of this podcast, mm-hmm. all the way back uh, two episodes ago um, when we started this, I, I talked a little bit about our, our what we call vision framework here at Crosswinds and, and talked about just the, the mission, the vision, strategy, those things. And, and you know, uh, being colleagues here on staff, we work really hard not to have what, what some would call in the church word silos, mm-hmm. um, where everything, all the ministries of the church are sort of doing their own thing, maybe on the same campus, but we're trying to do the same thing. And working together. And so my question for you is this, how do you see kids ministry and student ministry as sort of two pieces of Crosswinds vision framework, two pieces of the mission, vision, and strategy that we have here at Crosswinds? Yeah, uh, I'm sure that if you have been a part of Crosswinds' church family for really any length of time, you've probably heard from the stage or at least somewhere, it said that kids and students are not the church of tomorrow, they're the church of today. The church of right now. And that's something I really appreciate about your leadership, Craig, as lead pastors. You've pushed and advocated for this uh, consistently during your time here. And so uh, they are, kids and students are equally a part of the mission, vision, and strategy of Crossman's just as much as you and I as adults are. And I love that uh, you could come here on a Sunday morning and you could be led by a middle school student in worship. Uh, we have middle schoolers who are singers, who are band players, who are prayer warriors, who are teachers who have a part on the Sunday morning stage. And so I just love that um, you talked about not being siloed. And I think one thing that's really healthy and important is for students, kids, and adults to always be mixing inside their ministries that they're a part of. And so we have students, kids, and adults who are part of kids' ministry, student, kids, and adults who are part of student ministry, student, kids, and adults who are part of adult ministry. I think that's really healthy for Crossman's. And I think that's what's been part of its success for the last couple of decades is that focus. And so, yeah, they are, there's no age limit to God's saving grace, and there's no age limit for leadership and kingdom advancement. So some of our best missionaries are fourth graders who are in their classrooms talking to their peers and their teachers about Jesus because you and I can't do that, but they can. And so, yeah, they have an equal 
uh, seat at the table that you and I do. You know, um, one of the big uh, questions churches ask all across our country is because, and it comes out of uh, many students will, will graduate from high school, then sort of drop out of church. And so the question is, how do you get them to stay in church? And I've said for years, I remember being on a panel now, I won't even tell you how many years ago, but it was many years ago now. And, and they were asking that question of several of us who were student pastors. And um, at the time, I had uh, just transitioned from student pastor seminary, and then I was lead pastor. And I remember sitting on that panel, and I said, well, the problem is, is that they had never been part of the church. Mm-hmm. They had been in a silo of children's ministry, the silo of student ministry. Then all of a sudden, they're to become a part of something they had never been a part of. And I said, you know, what we had found in the church I was, I was at, and I think it's still true here, by the way, even, even maybe in a, in a, a broader sense, actually, um, that when, when these kids and, and teens, and when they're a part of the church, like we're talking, it's not on their mindset not to. Uh, they go to college and they, they find where to plug in. That's the sort of part of their spiritual DNA. And I think, you know, to try to create that after the fact can be really problematic. And that may be a conversation for another podcast, but just the idea of we are the church and the children are the church. Both of us, God used um, as kids to reach and help our family and all those type of things. And so um, it, it's just great to, to see your leadership in that area. Um, if I could just get out a soap mat real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, yeah uh, not a box. It. No, that's fine. So, real yeah, quick. Yeah, that's right. You know, just talking about what you said about just um, not having a seat at the table. You know, I think uh, I think it's something like 70% of those who come to faith in Jesus will come to faith in Jesus by the time they graduate high school. And if that statistic is true, which all evidence points that that is reality, we would be insane as a body of believers to not pour and invest in that age group, that generation. And so... I just think, you know, the fact, you know, adults need kids and students just as much as kids and students need adults. That's true. And so as a church uh, that craves spiritual growth here at Crossman's, you know, we'd be so foolish to not invest and include in this generation and to hear their voices in all levels of ministry. And so, again, I just that's one of the reasons why I'm still here is I just love that about Crossman's. And I'm a product of that. You know, I was reached, I was raised and I was released as a middle school student. And we're doing that today. And that's so valuable. That's awesome. And I, I totally agree with you 100%. Um, as you're looking at sort of this, this position, right, as pastor to family life, right, family life pastor, uh, pastor to the families and helping them with their children and teens and so forth, um, what challenges do you see families facing today? A lot. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and always have, right? I mean, I, but yeah. Next question. I'm yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, yeah. Uh, there's so much. And I think every generation says something to the effect of like, it's never been like this. It's never been. But if you look back in history, there's a lot of things that have been the same. One thing I, but but getting away from like specific specifics, I think something I really see families struggling with, and even myself included, all of these are things I've experienced myself. One of them, of the things I think families struggle with is scheduling. Um, I think in some ways we've forgotten the significance of the home and all that it can be. The home is a physical shelter, of course, but it's not just a physical shelter. It's an emotional, mental, and spiritual shelter for our kids. And the family unit, I think the home can be an incredible place of safety and growth for our kids. But a lot of families, I think, struggle with scheduling. And it's very common to hear of families who overcommit themselves and who are away from the home for far too long. And I think it just strains them so bad. That was probably one of the things I was most excited about, if I can use that term for the COVID pandemic, uh, is that families got to be home together. And I heard of families who 
were sharing meals for the first time in months. And it kind of broke my heart because that was something that my family modeled for me growing up. It was kind of like a mandatory family dinner time. We're all together talking about our days, processing. And I thought that was so valuable. And I could not imagine not having that in my life. And so whether parents are overcommitted or kids or both, it doesn't matter. It can just end really badly. And so I think scheduling is really hard. And then the second thing I could think of, um, and there's a lot, but the second thing I'll say is just intentionality. Um, from the moment, this is just crazy because, I, like I said, I've got a four-year-old now, right? So from the moment of birth until a child turns 18, I think it's something like we have 6,570 hours with them. So if you take away like the eight hours that they're sleeping, that drops down to just over 4,000 hours we have with them. And then you take away the time in school and sports and friends. Um, our time with our kids is very, very valuable and it's fleeting. And every minute that goes by is one less minute that we're going to have with them in these most impressionable years. Now, after they're 18, obviously you're still connected to them, but um, your child becomes who they are based on these years that they're experiencing growing up with you. And so I've been super guilty of this, um, but I've been really trying to catch myself lately. When Charlie's in the room, the same room that I'm in, I try to put my phone away. And that seems like such a simple thing, but uh, Becca and I, we had a spontaneous date night a couple years ago, and we just observed like one of the saddest things I've ever seen was a family of five came in, young kids, they sat down, receded, and they all pulled out smartphones. And for an hour, Craig, an hour, they were on their phones while they ordered, they waited, and they ate, just personally being entertained. And it broke my heart. I was like, this is crazy. And it was a learning experience, Rebecca and I, that we just never want that for Charlie and for our family if there's ever any other kids. And so, yeah, I know that, that's kind of a lot, but just we don't have much time with our kids. And smartphones are super attractive and they're alluring. And so is this technology. It's just crazy. There's a lot of things vying for our attention. But I think if you have young kids at home or if you have kids at home right now, under your roof, your attention needs to be focused on them as much as possible. And I know you need a break and entertainment's great and all that, but yeah. No, that's great. That's, that's, that's uh, uh, great advice and certainly something that we're, and anyone who's a parent out there is challenged by. And, and even if you're not a parent, I'm guessing is are challenged by scheduling and, and uh, the whole idea of intentionality within any relationship yeah. is a real challenge there. Um, Let's sort of turn the corner here, but stay on that topic a minute, because sure. you talked about really when you start to break down those hours, and you did that so well to say, really, we don't have as much time as we think we do with our kids. Mm -hmm. So let's take advantage of that. I know that when uh, children, when kids come on campus here, especially um, during the during our pandemic shutdown, you, you were offering ministry so parents could work with their kids at home. But when they come here onto, onto the Canandaigua campus, or maybe it's a student ministry night, you even have a smaller amount of time than the parents do. For sure. So talk to me a little bit about your, should I say, philosophy of ministry. Uh, you have this little bit of time, and, and, and now your family life passed. You talked about the excitement of working with parents. Yeah. And so um, I'm, I'm going to sit back because I, I don't want to answer a question for you. I want you to answer it. But, but how does your philosophy of ministry tie into this obvious passion of yours? Uh, of the family growing together. Yeah. So, and this is true of me as a pastor who has been a believer for quite some time now. I have found it even challenging in my position and just who I am to find ways to pour into Charlie, my son, to find moments to disciple him, to share my faith with my son, which sounds so crazy, but that's a really hard thing to do. And so I think my philosophy of ministry is we do have kids that come whose parents are not a part of Crossman's at all. 
And so they're kind of their own unique category of like, okay, we might be the only two hours a week that are pouring anything faith-based into them. And so uh, when they come, we do, we're very serious about teaching things of scripture and teaching or teaching things of God. Uh, spiritual disciplines are really high on our list. We want to be able to, um, I don't want to use the word produce, but we want to help kids become self-feeders of God's word. So we are just as, like I told you before in the first, our earlier episode last week, that I didn't know how to read the Bible. And so from really preschool on, we're really trying to help kids navigate scripture and help them find where to go and just give them the value of, of scripture and how, how that you know can be used in their life. So I would say um, there's that part of it is we're really trying to help students understand the concepts, the theology, the doctrine of who God is, as well as the personal relationship that they can have with him through reading scripture, spiritual disciplines like praying, fasting, tithing, all of these different things we could do. But then there's the other element of, you know, we don't, we want to include mom and dad somehow and to help resource them. And this happens really, I would say, really well at a kid level. It's a little bit harder to do as a student level because on a Sunday morning, uh, just the way our programs work, we do kids ministry on Sunday morning. So parents are here. So we're able to uh, kind of work together with Sunday morning experience, uh, but we're also able to give resources for kids to go home and do. And that's something where we're encouraging families to do together. So we're helping, hey, here's some devotionals for you to do. And really what we want to be as the church is we want to affirm what's being taught at home. We don't want to give parents uh, like, hey, here's what we taught. So you go ahead and go reaffirm that at home, if that's making sense. We would love for parents to be the primary spiritual voice in their home. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if that's answering your question. No, it definitely is. It definitely is. You know, you you don't see ministry to, to kids and ministry to students as something totally separate, you really do see it as the whole family getting involved and you resourcing them really to be the primary disciples of their kids. If, if they're there, yeah. if they're here, you know, my story is a little different than yours. And the fact that, you know, I came to Christ when I was five, my parents didn't come to Christ until I, I was 15. And so for that 10 year period, that decade, um, other people were pouring into my life and um, being those spiritual parents for me. And so you have those two groups of people that you're working with as well, which is uh, quite phenomenal. And, and uh, not speaking as, as a pastor here on staff, one of your colleagues, but just as a father, um, I've had two of my three kids come up through the student ministry with you. Um, you know, one the whole time and one part of the time. And, and the impact of that ministry in their life has been, has been um, uh, unbelievable. And uh, I would say now speaking as pastor, because my kids aren't in children's ministry. And in fact, my youngest is just now heading off to college, right? So that whole empty nest type thing. But your is, granddaughter is, is. Oh, you better believe yeah. it. You better believe it. And, and uh, but, you know, I, I talk to parents who are new to God. Okay. Their family is new to Christ. And because of the things that you're doing, uh, you and your team and the Lord through you and your team with the students, they're being challenged. Uh, the, you know, the kids are coming home and they're memorizing the books of the Bible, memorizing scripture, they're, you know, all these principles. And these parents, in a way, um, are being uh, disciples of their kids while their kids are sort of pushing them to be disciples of me. You know, uh, help me memorize this, the, the books of the Bible. And the parents are memorizing it as they're helping their kids memorize it. Yeah. And I just think that's fantastic. I, I just, I, that just, that's been a dream of mine since I was student pastor days to see that type of interaction between kids and their parents and um, something I didn't have growing up. I had great parents, but they just didn't know the Lord until I was 15. And, and seeing that and hearing those stories, almost at least on a somewhat weekly basis, has been so encouraging to me. And I just want to encourage your team for the decisions you've made to, to, to make that a priority. 
make those things a priority. I think that our kids' ministry, student ministry is fun. Yeah. I, I hear that. I mean, the kids love being a part of it. The students love being a part of it. But beyond being fun, it, it's transformational. And not just in their life, but in the life of their families. And so uh, I just, well done. Well done. Just, just, just great to be able to see that happen. Last question as we sort of wrap up here a little bit. Um, but if you could say one thing to parents, you know, you're speaking as a parent now, not as a pastor, okay? You're speaking as a parent. If you could say one thing to parents, because one of the things I love about knowing you is you're a very humble person. And so you hold the truths of God's word very high. You certainly are a great example of someone who's, who's striving to be like Jesus. And yet you're honest to say, look, I'm not perfect in this. You don't use it as an excuse, but you just, you're not putting on this face front, you know, this false front that you got it all together. And so you're talking to parents who are hearing this and saying, I want to disciple my kids. I, I want to put the phone away. I want to do all these things. I've tried it. I'm not great at it. What would be your word of encouragement or advice to them in the journey? You know, as, as we're not perfect, we're being perfected. What would you share? Oh, man. Uh, I would say, so we all know that there's no handbook, right? Obviously, we can go to scripture and there's plenty of verses about parenting and stuff like that. But I have not yet found in scripture where, you know, you know how to interact with your toddler when he's throwing things at you, you know? Um, and so there's just so much that has been new to me as a parent that I, I just never thought I was going to experience before. Um, so what's been so helpful for Becca and I is to surround ourselves with people that have gone before us. There's no handbook, but there are generations of people above us that have kids who have gone, you know, who are like you, who have college age kids. I don't have college age kids. You've had three toddlers. I'm still having my first toddler. And so uh, surrounding ourselves with people that have gone before us has been so good. Because there are so many times that we feel like a failure or like, why is my kid doing this? So <laughs> why, why won't he listen? Why won't, you know, why is he hitting me again? Um, but talking through with other people and having them say, relax, this is normal. You know, what you're doing is fine. Uh, having people pray for you, you know, that I think that something, again, I, I, you do so well, Craig, is, you know, I, I confide in you or tell you something that's going on and you just pray right there then in the moment. And I think we can't underestimate the power of prayer. And then we can't underestimate too, like if you're an empty nester out there and you're listening, uh, you could be a spiritual grandparent to so many parents who are treading water. This past year was just a disaster for so many families who had to, um, you know, teach kids from home and somehow come up with money to pay the bills because they lost their job and um, they need help. There's a lot of families that need help. And so if you're out there and you're an empty nester, um, I would, I just long, I could see Crossman's church family just really rallying generation to generation. Uh, just that concept of, of finding people who have gone before you. And I could see empty nesters leading small groups with other empty nesters, but other young families and taking the kids for an hour. So mom and dad can just breathe or go grocery shopping without a kid throwing bread out the cart. Like there are just, there's so much that we, we could do for one another. Um, but if you're a parent out there, uh, I know that's not the best advice because sometimes it's hard to find people that have gone before you, but Crossman Small Groups are a great place. Just find one of us and say, like, I need help connecting with somebody in, in the kids' ministry or student ministry. We can try our best to connect you with other families, but don't go through it alone. We were never designed to. I think that's a great tool of the enemy is to make you believe that you're responsible for everything by yourself. That's just not the case. We were created for community. 
We were made to raise kids in community. It's okay, and we should be doing everything in community. That's why the programs here are so great, because it forces us to be in community. Um, but the other six days of the week, we should also still be in community. That's what I would say. Brian, that's excellent. And, I, you know, I mean, that's the purpose of the church. Purpose of the church is we're doing life together. We're on journey together. And uh, I think sometimes uh, churches can be so complicated in the sense that they have, like, so many ministries of, of doing certain things that they don't do anything together. Mm-hmm. And they're either so busy at a, a campus that they can't be home. And so one of our strategies here is really simple church. We, we want to do the, what, we, what we are called to do to equip people so that when they scatter, they're able to be the church. And that scattering isn't individual either. It's, it's scattering as a church, right? And being there to connect with each other and encourage each other. And, you know, I can tell already we're going to have to sit down for another episode uh, in the future here because there's just so much uh, wisdom that we, we can glean from you. But I want to thank you so much for being a part. Uh, I started the last episode, episode two, of saying that you were our first guinea pig. Um, now I'm going to say you're not a guinea pig. You have set the bar. And so uh, you set the <laughs> oh, bar. Wow. And um, uh, it's been a privilege to have you as part of our, our, our uh, first guest on, yeah, on the really podcast. The opportunity, Craig. Thank you. And so I just say for those of you that are listening for now, um, uh, continue to join with us. We're going to learn as we go and uh, hopefully um, even get better and better as my end, I, Brian couldn't get any better. He was excellent. But but on my end, get better and better as an interviewer and sharing some things with you. I hope this has been helpful to you. If it has been, then then please let people know about our podcast. Maybe take some time and give us a review, especially if it's a good one. Uh, but uh, that would be very helpful as well. It just lets people know what we're doing and, and uh, puts a, a little more um, individuals in the, in the process of being a part of the podcast community. Uh, I hope you can join with me next week as we continue through uh, this Unleashed podcast. Um, But for now, um, be blessed and bless others.